I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We're going back to the hive for season five of The, the Connor and Smith Show. Uh, this one's a little bit late. Sorry. We have uh, my biggest event of the season, uh, the Columbia Pike Blues Festival. It's is, tomorrow. See you there. It is tomorrow. It is free. It is at uh, in Arlington, Virginia, at uh, Walter, South Walter Reed Drive in Columbia Pike. And yeah, it's been a busy week, but we're dropping this anyway for you. Um, we'll drop another one the next day. Um, so who are we talking to? We are talking to... Adam. Adam Tackett. Adam Tackett. I was trying to get some participatory. You're waiting for everyone to like uh, I, I text you. I, I'm thinking there's an audience. We just finished watching Jeopardy. I know. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Hello, Adam. Steven, how are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Seems good. Seems good. Good. Well, here we are. Um, I am turning my phone on silent. Hi, Adam. Um, I, I am here <laughs> with my husband and co-host, Matt Connor. Hey, hey, uh, hey, hey. Hi, Matt. What's going on? You know, I'm just um, pugging out with my pug here, uh, waiting for his dad to get back so he can have dinner. Um, we're going to get into the pug talk. Oh, oh yes. We could have a whole separate, talk. you know, uh, session just on the pugs. Absolutely. Um, and we're also joined by our producer, Ryan Dean Halbrook. Hello. Hey. I don't believe you, you guys met each other, did you? I don't think so. Have we? I think I maybe left... Shenandoah. You were all, you were both on the same beautiful sanctuary called Armstrong. Oh, no. yes. <laughs> New theater. I don't think Adam was in no, Armstrong. No, never? No, never. Uh, Orstrom Bryant was my freshman year. But I, because I lived so close in Hagerstown and I was one of the top students in my graduating class, we got to do an internship and they had no idea what to do with me because I was like, I want to sing and dance. So I came. I don't know if you remember this. Um, I would come like once a week and come to classes with everyone. And so I kind of, I knew Armstrong because of that. You're from Hagerstown, Maryland? I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. But then we moved to Hagerstown when I was in sixth grade. Um, but my whole family is basically in the Baltimore area. Like Hagerstown is just like, what, five more exits north of yeah. Shenandoah. Technically, I'm from, uh, my parents live in Williamsport, but it's easier to say Hagerstown because it's all sort of the same area. Williamsport is not the Little League Baseball City, right? Ooh, uh, great question. I have no idea. I mean, go, I sport, that's go sports. But... That's a sports. We don't talk sports. Sports ball. What? <laughs> Speaking of sports, I just was stalking your Facebook to look at some stuff. Were you Mungo Jerry? No, I was um, Skimble Shanks, the railway cat, the cat of the railway train for two years on the national tour of uh, cats a long, long time ago. And then I played Rum Tum Tugger um, opposite Taylor Dane, like towards the end of my acting career. 
Oh my God, Taylor Dane. As you do. Taylor Dane. Tell it to my heart. Um, she never you, knew any of the words to memories, and it's only memory. But she, but she would make it rhyme, and it was it was it was it was something. To, everyone's on stage for that. She would just start, and we didn't know what was going to happen, but she made it work every night. Different uh, lyrics. We're going to take a few minutes here on Taylor Dane. Matthew, yeah. go ahead. What mm -hmm. you were about to say? You saw her. Well, no, I was going to say, where's the videotape of her making up the lyrics to memory? I don't know. I got to find a bootleg of that. <laughs> I traveled from Shenandoah University in the back of somebody's 57 Buick to a place called Trax. And there mm. I witnessed in person. To my heart. <laughs> um, I I, there I saw Taylor Dane at, at Trax. I mean, amazing. I'm, she... She was everything I wanted from an 80s pop icon. We'd, we'd sit at the bar. This was in merry-go-round, uh, so like upstate New York. And people would go up and play her songs. And she'd be like, yeah, I know what I sound like. I don't want to hear myself. Here's, here's a quarter to play something else. So like, she was amazing. We went to the New York State Fair together. And she, uh, she bought me fried chicken on a donut and asked me to eat it and she watched me eat it. I don't know. Shut it was, up. It was weird but great. And um she's like she can and she can blow too. She would start out like Grisabella was dying and then she would at the end slide up an octave into like a full scream rock belt and it was everything. Oh my God. I'm gonna YouTube this tonight. Um did you ever hear the Tig Nataro bit about Taylor Dane? What you got me? I said, did you ever hear the, did you hear it? You have. No, what do you, tell me. Okay, so there's a comedian named Tignataro, right? Okay. You have to, when we're done here, you have to look up Tignataro Taylor Dane. After the January 6th hearing. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, guess, yeah. I, guess, I guess there's no commercial breaks. Um, Wait, there's, there's a hearing tonight? Oh, uh, do you hear what I hear? <laughs> um, anyway, Tignataro Taylor Dane, she keeps meeting Taylor Dane by accident. Oh, yeah, I've seen this. And she keeps like, it's, it's the truth. It's a true story. Actually, she's done the bit so much that you can find one bit where actually Taylor Dane comes and appears like with her because it was just one of those things where they kept oh, meeting yeah. each other. And Tignataro is a very dry lesbian comedian who's hysterical and she would always go up to her and say the same thing like hi i don't know if uh i can't even it's just very dry <laughs> but she said the same thing and it was very awkward every single time and it became such a thing where it's like oh my god you'll never guess who is here it's taylor dane and they, <laughs> they kept being in the same place anyway um anna where are you right now I am in my apartment in New York. You're in the New York City. I'm in the New York City. In the How Manhattan. long have you been in New York? Oof. Um, a long time. Um, let's see. Uh, probably since, well, I, I never know how to judge this because I toured a lot. But I'll say I always count it officially from my first lease, which was in 2006. So whatever that is. I'm not, I which didn't go to school for math. Um, I'm in Manhattan. You are? Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Hey, I'm in the borough. I'm in New York, New York. New York, town. New York. <laughs> um, one of our friends just uh, got an understudied gig for the uh, the Broadway revival of Into the Woods for an exclusive... Ooh. Yeah. 
Oh, I love that. I'm, I'm cool. excited to see it. I missed it at City Center, so I'm going to try and catch it. What are your, what are your days filled with nowadays? What hmm. do you do? Oh, this is interesting. So let's see. For the past almost eight years, <clears throat> I have been a manager of health and safety for Universal Pictures, for NBC Universal. Um, so I, I work at 30 Rock, <clears throat> but I work on the film side. So I'm kind of like the west coast person who sits on the east coast so um wait I, you said health and safety yeah i'm a health and safety manager for production so wait wait wait. so what so what happened during to your job during covid did you were you in charge of everybody's testing oh yeah i we owned covid um and that was kind of hell on earth um but you know then we got our our handle on it we we were so busy um and uh and now we we have COVID teams that report up through us um, that manage our films and stuff. But uh, in the film division, um, theater produced uh, by Universal Pictures falls under the film group. So I'm, along with my boss, we're the two people in charge of all of our live theater, which is Wicked worldwide. So every production of Wicked, um, things through working title like Billy Elliot. So I did the UK tour of Billy Elliot and the London production. I have the Wicked production in London and we'll have a UK tour coming back and an Australian tour coming back. Um, we have some new stuff in the works like Nanny McPhee being written by the Nanny McPhee, Emma Thompson, and uh, it's going to happen in London and some exciting new stuff coming to Broadway too that's in development. Um, so that, and then I do movies here and there. Um, I worked on Bros, which probably everyone has seen a trailer for now. Yes. Um, um, and I am currently assigned and in prep for the Wicked Movies in London. Movies, plural? Yeah, there's Movies, plural. Two. There's two. I've always known this. It's just become public knowledge, so I can tell you. <laughs> I know. Isn't the running joke like, well, Into the Woods was done in one movie, and it had two acts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I personally like the idea of two Wicked Movies, but um, I'm excited for it. So I'm going to go in the wallet for this one. Okay, clearly they're trying to make as much money as possible. Yeah, yeah. They will probably maybe even write some new stuff, music for it. I think definitely because they're going to want to get nominated. And for then a song. they're going to ask Taylor. <laughs> Taylor to my heart. To, to sing oh. it. And then you are going to somehow work in that chicken and waffle thing. I, you know, maybe. I, I think we can do it. Adam, will you it. be flying to London? Yeah, I, I go to London quite often just to check in on productions, which is a great perk of the job. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll be there definitely heavy in the in the top of it. I do a lot of prep work with, with the teams and everything to figure out what we're doing and where we need to add in, you know, things to make sure people go home the way they showed up. And then I'm usually there for specific days that require me to be there like stunts we're gonna blow something up or you know fly a bunch of people things like that so is this a job that you kind of applied for because you were looking for a job or was this basically sort of a, uh, an evolution from all of your departments that you had been doing in new york that just kind of landed you where you are now complete evolution i had no idea what and my official title is environmental health and safety manager ehs i had no idea what that meant um <clears throat> i just knew um uh, while like the last several years of 
working as an actor, I kind of knew that I kind of lost that that fire to be on stage. It just wasn't in me. It felt like a job, but I, I loved I loved the theater world still. I knew I had to stay in it, but it, the stage wasn't for me. And I was very fortunate to be a swing with the Rockettes for eight seasons. And being a swing, I had a lot of time to get to know everyone else behind the scenes, my producers, company management, stage management, everyone. And I quickly realized that as an actor, I was probably the most expendable and um, just kind of became fascinated with the the mechanism of putting on a huge show. Um, <clears throat> And uh, and I had always dabbled with doing things on the other side, like casting, and but I never fully committed to it. And I think, honestly, it's because I kind of thought, well, I have a degree in musical theater. That's the only thing I know how to do. And if I do something else, I'm not this anymore. But when I changed my mind and said, actually, this doesn't make me not an actor or a singer or a dancer. Um, not that I'm particularly good or polished at them right now, but you know, that doesn't take it away from my life. Um, it makes me something else. So I'm something plus something. Um, and when I actually started to believe that doors just opened up and- um, So it's like you actually adding commas to yourself rather than feeling like you've put a period to a past. Correct. Yeah, I, I knew I wanted there was something new for me because this was no longer what I was passionate about. I never had that wow feeling on stage. It just felt like, okay, I did a good job. That's great. So I was like, okay, it's time to figure out where I feel excited and where I can feel impactful. Um, and having no idea what that was, I just kind of opened up myself to do anything. And my very dear friend, Jason Daunter, who was my stage manager on the Joseph tour um, and a stage manager uh, in the past on Wicked, um, set me up with um, a production company and asked me if I'd be interested in doing production management on a, sh on a show or two. Um, and that, that's when I uh, assistant production managed Gigi on Broadway. Ah. What? Gigi with the what's-her-face? Yeah, Vanessa Hudgens. You were going to say Taylor Dane, weren't you? <laughs> you Taylor Dane. Dane is Gigi. <laughs> yeah, she was so good. No. no, she was booked. She we couldn't get her. She yeah. was she was following around that comedian girl. Yeah, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But her, you know, we really wanted her because her French accent impeccable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did we know anyone from Gigi, from DC? Was Jeremy Benton in that one or no? No, I don't remember. You know, I honestly, we probably. I don't. Did. I'm not. I, I shouldn't say this, Adam, to you. Well, you guys probably saw it because it was at the Kennedy Center for you out know, of town. I but I wasn't on it before that. I wasn't I don't on it. Think so I we saw it because we were doing some show together. What was it, Stephen, at the time? I don't know. Full disclosure, I did Shishi at Shenandoah. That I. The show ah. that shut down Armstrong, yeah. like it was Wait. the last show in Armstrong with Shishi. Oh, okay. And I then was like, what I happened? Did, <laughs> oh. I did the workshop of this Broadway version at Signature. Okay. Um, and then they didn't ask you to go. They did not ask me to go. Um, Rude. Because you didn't have the high notes? I think it's because I really didn't give a shit about Gigi because I had done mm. it before and it mm -hmm. was just not. Maybe they were afraid that the title would be changed to Zaza if you were in it. Probably. Ah. True, true. Probably. You should have gotten Lady Gaga and changed it to Gaga. Ooh. Like, Gaga Ooh. as Gigi. Oh, oh my God. Uh. That's, that's amazing, Ryan. That, yes. That, okay, next revival. Gaga is Gigi. Gaga is Gigi. 
<laughs> so, um, Adam, so were you already a part of the DC team? I guess that would be the pre-Broadway whatever. I was not. I was par part of the production management team that put it into the Neil Simon Theater. So, um, uh, you know, they kind of just help them get in and then leave it once it's open and set. Um, but I was there from like, you know, first thing being screwed into the grid there. Um, and that and was, was directed by Eric Schaefer. It was, yes. Yes, indeed. Um, she, she... We've worked with Eric a lot here in the, in the DC. Yeah, so. yes. Um, now, I, we're jumping around a lot, but that's okay. Right. I like to jump. Um, <laughs> you don't have a script. Just very high. I just, I can't jump very high anymore. No, thank you, Ryan. It's not good for my health. <laughs> who, who can? Me. No. You can ask. He's in charge of health. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, right. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll risk assess you later after so, the show. Real quick. So you said NBC Universal. Yep. The film side. Isn't the Fast series a Universal? Yeah, yeah. We're actually filming Fast 10 right now. That's not so mine. You, I, I'm okay. not Okay. I'm not assigned to that, but I, but it is being filmed right now. Those are some stunts. Oh yeah. Those are some crazy stunts. Yeah. Like dropping planes out of or cars out of a plane over the desert and stuff like that. Yeah. That's my, so, that's my colleague, Chris, who like lives for that stuff. Something oh, tells, cool. something tells me that you're happy. You're not, that that's not yours. Um, it uh, seems like a lot of work. It does. I mean, I think, three years ago, I'd be like, I don't know how to do that. I mean, if I had to do it now, I think I would figure it out and it seems tangible, but I don't think I want to own and be, be attached to the Fast franchise. I certainly helped them out during COVID because we were um, in post and there was all these union rules for, you know, coming to work and doing orchestrations. So I kind of got handed all of um, like uh, orchestrations of movies that had already been filmed and how we can orchestrate them safely and have an orchestra record together um, or have post people work remotely together when we have to come in and edit together in a space. So I was kind of assigned to all of them. So I definitely trained a lot of famous people <laughs> via Zoom on, on uh, COVID uh, protocols and, and things like that and put together a lot of plans and testing and all sorts of things. Um, so I'm a little bit attached to Fast 9 in that sense. And I even got some swag from the opening of that, but I'm no longer attached to Fast 10. So do you, are you usually, when you go to work, let's say tomorrow, are you usually focused tomorrow on like one thing, one project, or will you be handling multiple projects at one time? Multiple projects at one time, because Wicked, for instance, you know, you know, it's theater, it's, every it's 52 weeks a year eight shows a week um and you have london the u.s tour broadway um and soon we'll have the uk tour back and australia back and um adding some new shows so that's always going so it's kind of like just keeping your hand on the pulse and jumping in where you need to you know a lot of stuff i do a lot of injury and illness stuff and um uh and then figuring out how we can prevent that from happening again a lot of stuff, you know, repetitive motion with dancers and things like that, and a good old raked stage, which I don't think anyone likes. But, uh, um, and then, you know, all the way to, you know, bigger things. So, you know, I think COVID made my job really known when it wasn't before. Like, no one knew what PPE meant 
before COVID. Now everyone, my mom talks about PPE and I'm like, who are you? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it's, it's been good because I think it's highlighted a lot of, you know, missing links and just places where we can do better in other areas of health <clears throat> and safety um, uh, that they're just never seen time for. So we really took this time to kind of figure out where, how we can make all that better. And, you know, a lot of that came through mental health. Um, part of my approach is that it's not only physical health and safety, it's, uh, you know, being psychologically safe and having and feeling mentally healthy because that can also lead to physical uh, injuries and damage and things like that. So it goes through security. You know, I, I, I have, I set up active shooter trainings and stuff, unfortunately, which is very topical at the moment. Um, you know, there's, it's a big spectrum of things. And I, I kind of am like the middleman for uh, putting the right people in touch to, to cover all this stuff and, uh, and address things best we can. I don't think people realize <clears throat> when they go to see shows, <clears throat> whether it be in, in New York or regional or wherever, <clears throat> I don't think they really understand that being a performer, uh, whether you're behind the scenes or on the stage, mm -hmm. is, is, is really a, uh, an athletic uh, experience. I mean, everyone Absolutely. has to stay in, you know, some sort of shape and, you know, it's a very physical thing. No one's just walking around performing, you know? No, I mean, I mean, we always say, I, I know you guys have said like, it's choreographed as much backstage as it is on stage, but I mean, even more so. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a ton of heavy physical exertion going on backstage like think about dressers carrying huge costume pieces and presetting and and going up and down stairs and things like that it's just yeah I think as an audience member you're just kind of oblivious to that but there's as you guys know like usually way more people backstage than you see on stage yeah and as you know some of those theaters do not have like high school style dressing rooms that are like sprawled out everywhere you sometimes no. have to travel like two floors up to get your shoes that's right. Yeah. And especially like on touring, you know, it's different. Sometimes you just have to move everything you need for the show downstairs on the wing somewhere, you know, because you're never going to get back to a dressing room. So it's, it's always like a moving target, but I think that's also what's exciting about it. Leading up to your decision to go to SU, did you have other um, options or the uh, uh, universities that you were looking at maybe as a place to go? I did, yeah. I did a summer program at University of the Arts in Philly, and I had a really great time. And um, my my friend Josh Lehman and I were there, and uh, we the first national tour of Rent was there as well. And we would always second act it, like every single night, we'd second act it and geek out at the stage door with everyone. Um, and they knew us, and then we'd sing Rent, and it was just a lot of fun. Um, he and a couple of of the people we were with that summer ended up going there. I did not, obviously. Mm. Um, and then I also applied and got into Boston Conservatory, but um, they didn't care about how smart I was in high school. So the financial aid package was not uh, enough uh, to go there. I think, I think that's kind of where I was eyeing first, um, but I also really grew to love Shenandoah through the high school program that coming down like uh, once a week during the second half of my senior year, I, I really kind of felt comfortable there and was excited to go there. Cause I, we had seen shows there in the summer at summer theater um, for a few years leading up to that. So I, I kind of was excited about that. I think part of me is, is like, Oh, I'm 18 and I'm going to 
leave. I wanted to go far away. That was just kind of Philadelphia and Winchester didn't seem far away enough to me, um, but Boston did. And I think that was kind of part of the reason why Boston was my first choice, just to like be very far away. But in the end, I'm glad that I was close to home. Yeah, in Winchester, you don't need your gloves until like October. Right, correct. Boston and 40, and 45 minutes from out. mom and dad, you know, they can run down with a, with a Costco right. bag, you know. And and what before SU and, and high school, like what was um, what was your moment where you were like, oh, I think I like the arts. I think this is something I want to do. Was there a, um, a Taylor Dan Christmas special? Was, was it something like that? Was it? It was, a, it was an Ellen. It was an Ellen Green Christmas special. No, it was um, I played Seymour my junior year and Little Shop of Horrors, which was a scandal because no one gets cast as the lead in their junior year. So it was super scandal. Um, and I fell in love with it. I was actually on track to go to med school. Like I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And then I had my hand up that plant puppet and I was like, no, this is what I'm meant to do. I got to sing and dance. Um, but, but but then you ended up with kind of in you're, a like now you're doctor a, of the arts. Sort of. Oh, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Doctor a, of the arts. I love Doctor that. of the arts. Ooh. Wait, who do we call to get your title change? You need a hat and <laughs> I, a cape. I, I do. Who can we call? Let's start with Tom Albert. Maybe he can help me. Yeah, or somebody from Rent. Yes. <laughs> you know, can, I, can I tell you a quick Rent story? Mm. Rent, Rent, Absolutely. Rent. I went to New York City when Rent was having its workshop preview at the Nederlander before it officially oh. opened. And the person I was saying was said, oh my God, you've got to go get these tickets at like 5 a.m. And, and they, they give out 20 standing room tickets to this new show that everyone's like talking about. <clears throat> and I went and saw Rent maybe two weeks before it opened, before any press had come out, before anybody even knew what was happening. And I just kind of like stood in the back going, oh my God. God, what oh is God. happening? I'm so jealous. That's incredible. And I'll never forget watching Daphne just like, what the time? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my God. And then that's when I realized I was probably never going to be on Broadway. Stop. Because <laughs> there were some really good people. Anyway, that's my right story. <laughs> that's amazing. I remember that in the first national tour that I stalked second acted every night that summer. Um, that would have been like the summer of 98. Um, Simone, Nina Simone's daughter was Mimi and she did not sound like she was dying. I'll tell you that. You know what I mean? Like there's there's something to be said about Daphne Rubin Vega's voice. Like it's appropriate for the character. And of course you want to hear someone like do something crazy, but I'm like, are you really sick, girl? You sound really good. Um, and and Carol Burnett's daughter, who passed away, was um, Maureen. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and she was phenomenal. Yeah, you know, I, you know, it's funny that you you just said that about voices. I, you know, I always had a, ra I've always had a raspy voice. I've never had, you know, I've had like a character voice my entire life. I don't, I don't think it's going to change. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I remember getting in a, in a fight. Uh, about Ellen Green once with a, a personal friend of mine who I was like, you know, so moved every time I would hear her sing. What other kind of friends are there besides personal? Um, <clears throat> professional? Oh, professional. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, some are rentable. Paid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, some yeah. are... We have lots of paid friends. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, 
did you ever see the DVD of Hey, Mr. Producer? Oh, my God. Do you think I don't know that backwards and forwards? Yes, uh, oh, but okay. I had it on VHS. It's one of my favorite, like, go-to performances. I love the woman that sings, As long as it is uh, uh, Yeah. And, oh, oh my God. Um, Anyways, Ellen, <laughs> Ellen Green's performance there on that freaking video is just my all-time, like, I, she just gets lost in the character. Well, there's something exciting about someone, someone's voice who I don't, I don't want to be like, oh, this is so easy for you. It's, there's something exciting about like, this might be the last time you sing. I mean, that vein in her neck, I mean, it could have popped at any moment. She could have bled out right there, you know? Um, so it's, I don't think it's it was so the vein. Exciting. I think it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it was the Holy Spirit going to rip through her neck. Um, but, but a friend of mine and yeah. I would go backwards and forth about like, oh, well, she's she's not really even a singer. I mean, look at that. I mean, how is she singing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Her character is not a singer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think people forget that it's like everything with musical theater is about acting first, right? Like you can be an amazing dancer, but if you're not telling a story with what you're doing, I don't care if you're the most technical, beautiful ballet dancer in the world. If you like, if you aren't like telling me a story, I'm not interested. You know well, what yeah. I mean? The only time I understood sending the clowns was when it was sung by Judy Dench. Yeah. And I mean, we all know her as, you know, the best singer in the world. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, my, right. My point is when I saw Daphne, my same thing, I, I really enjoyed that she kind of felt emotionally and vocally like she was kind of maybe had been up a little bit through the night yeah. doing some drugs i yeah. saw her in uh rocky horror picture show oh back in the late no early 2000 late early 2000s yeah, yeah. is that the one with like alice ripley and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 jared nimick and yeah it was good that's another one alice ripley like in sideshow back when uh like she really had that like top screamy stuff like how exciting like just like there's no mixed belt she is screaming really high notes and crying real tears and that that was exciting to me too Adam, did you guys have a alice ripley story oh my god i this is not supposed to be my podcast <laughs> go well i want to hear it but you have got to hear this okay so we live about you know two exits from the pentagon mm -hmm. uh in virginia but uh just a little bit of, uh, in, in alexandria there's an old bar called ziggs z-i-g-g-s okay. and i i saw on their door when i was doing dinner theater um which is how i bought most of my houses was doing dinner theater houses um, excuse me houses um did, I, do you I know something their, i don't they're model they're model houses, houses. Oh. <laughs> I saw that Alice Ripley was performing at this bar and I went into the manager. And I was like, is this Alice Ripley from like Sideshow, Broadway <sighs> singer? And the manager was like, I, I, I have no clue. <laughs> so I drove to Toby's Dinner Theater, the famous dinner theater of America in most yes. of Northern Hemisphere countries. In Columbia. Uh, in Columbia. Drove there and did uh, Carousel, which I was entirely too old for, but I still looked And got part. a little dizzy. And got a little dizzy. Drove As home. As we do. At like 11 o'clock at night, down the beltway, I come to Ziggs, I pull in, there's nobody there. Was I with you? Uh, nope, nope, no. Nope. I was by myself. You were doing another show and so was Mike Hedges. Okay. Anyways, <clears throat> I go to the bar. Mike Hedges? I haven't heard that name in a while. We'll come he back. He lived go with ahead. us at the time. Okay. Go so I, I sit down at the bar and I'm like, oh my God, the show's over, everyone's left. And 
I'm texting or calling Stephen and Mike and saying whatever. Anyway, at the other end of the bar are these two women, and one of them is Alice Ripley. And I went up to them like I was going to be on Broadway someday, and I said, I'm so sorry I missed your concert. I was doing Carousel. (gasps) You know, like that was going to be impressive. And she said, oh, well, we could, you know, get a pitcher of beer, and I can go get my guitar. (gasps) Adam, I called Stephen and Mike Hedges. And we sat in a little booth, like the, like the Pizza Hut booth. And she sat up with her feet in the seat. So her butt was like way up with her guitar. And she had just come out with this new album called uh, Suburbia, or I don't know what it was. And she sang to us like three or four songs. Um, it was really incredible and dear for her to, to do. And, and, you know, every once in a while, that little mixed belt would kind of come out there in that empty bar. And it was like, it was just magical. Yes. That's amazing. Did she scream at you about the importance of having a BFA in musical theater? Sorry. No. <laughs> she, she didn't. And you know what? She was actually, I felt like because her concert was already over, she was like in this very super like, oh, God, who cares? Like, there, you know, the... the the concert's over, so I'm just going to sing you some songs. And she was just, it was, it was amazing. That so is, the, that's really cool. The album, just in case anyone is interested in downloading, Alice Ripley, Everything's Fine is the name of the album. It is, I highly recommend it. And that night, everything was. But, yeah. but back to Dr. Tackett. Yeah, Doctor of the Arts Tackett. Um, Wait, can I, can I, can I go on a side tangent too? Because that, yes, that, that, this is like a sideshow tangent. Yeah, because well, it's it's always like interesting meeting like people that you idolize or you know listen to over and over again in real life. And when I was on the Joseph tour, we it was like the last show of the week, and um, we were in Wilmington, Delaware, and Betty Buckley had done a a show. Um, in town that night to a concert. Um, and we were at the bar because um, we had the next day off and getting drunk as one does and um, looked over and we saw that that uh, that she was there. And it turned out she like on her way out fell down some stairs or something and hurt her ankle. Well, there was this girl um, on tour who was um, a, a healer and she a Reiki master. And she she decided she's gonna go over to her and um, do Reiki on her ankle, which we were all like, please don't, please don't do that. But it turns out um, she herself was a Reiki master. So she let her do this. And we got into this conversation with her and um, she ended up doing Reiki on my head. And I don't know if it was the wine or the Reiki, but I ended up throwing up all night long. And, uh, <laughs> and that's my story. Because, because Betty Buckley, Betty Buckley. Yes, Betty Buckley uh, made me puke all night. Um, but yeah, just kind of weird and crazy. We were like, oh no, please don't go over there and do Reiki on her ankle. She's going to be like, please leave me alone. But she was totally into it. She's like, I'm a Reiki man. So we were all like, do Reiki her, on me. You saw Betty Buckley? As Norma Desmond in, in London. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> she was really, really, really good. So I, I know, I'm assuming that, you know, um, sometimes, you know, being in the business as we are, it was, it's been pretty tricky to navigate your world in the pandemic. Did you have a period where you were kind of concerned that maybe there wasn't going to be much to go back to? Yeah, I definitely um, probably had huge anxiety in the beginning because I 
you know, like much of our world in theater, I was fearful as being the, you know, the head point, my, my main, I do a movie here and there every year, but I, my main charge is to take care of the live theater. So I was very worried that if um, cuts were going to be made, I would be one among the first. Um, I have to say that NBC Universal's credit, they did not lay off people the way other uh, big corporations did um, <clears throat> and found ways of keeping people employed and their health insurance on. So I appreciate that. But then we very much got into writing those white papers for film and television about how to come back. And I assisted a lot on TV initially. Um, <clears throat> I, I worked as the health and safety person on um, One Night Only, which was like a Broadway thing they did outside of the Hamilton Theater. Um, back when we couldn't be inside together and stuff like that. And um, that it was all exciting, but you know, we took, it was a lot of planning to bring Broadway back. Um, and I think we were fortunate with our Wicked Companies that we had already, we finished, we, for the first thing that came back was Jurassic World, which um, but that that was almost done filming in London and we, we had to finish filming it and that was written before there was any like kind of protocols with film and television unions. Um, that's kind of what everything was kind of based on. So we took that model and made it into theater and it was to our benefit because I think everyone was like obsessed with not letting COVID happen and that was really unrealistic. People are going to get COVID. It was what do we do when COVID happens? Um, how do we do our best to keep the show up and running? And how do, if we do close, if we do shut down, how do we reopen? And I think that's something people didn't think about, but luckily we had already gone through that. So we were able to bring that in a very uh, comprehensive way uh, to bring you back wicked. And, you know, it's, it's worked for the most part, you know, it's been a learning process always, but um, uh good collaboration and I think I met a lot of people and worked with a lot of people that I otherwise probably never would have known in the organization um so there's definite silver linings uh through from a terrible thing <laughs> absolutely I mean everybody it, it was a learning curve across the the board I mean to see everybody's <clears throat> ways that they pivoted and changed I, I'm so sick of the word pivot but you know yeah it's the most overused word of the past two years, but it's, it's also very uh, appropriate. Um, and I always think pivot ball change whenever I hear it, but anyway, <laughs> I do see the Shane ball kick. <laughs> I do see that am among your long list of ways to be safe and healthy, that you have also an ancient Chinese uh, medicinal therapy style of dog. Oh, <laughs> I was like, where are we going with this? We're getting into the pugs. We're getting into the pugs. Yes. from the land of pug. And yes. I have a pug right now in my arms uh, who will not let me. Me and Steven don't know how to leave the house currently because yep. the dogs now think that we are supposed to just be here. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Kanji expects that too. We just now started letting him get into bed and it's kind of magical. Um, we have a very high bed, so he can't get in and out on, by, on his own. So um, it's been a new thing now that he's like fully potty trained. Um, but yeah, he is my shadow <laughs> at all times. So Kanji is how old? Kanji is, what is today? Um, he's 
almost eight months old, seven and some change. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, He's a fawn pug. He's sassy AF. Um, Your pug's born on my birthday, which I just found out. Yep. June 1st. No, June 1st. June 1st. Wait, oh no, he, he was born on the 31st, so we got that wrong. Uh, he's older than me. He is. Um, but he but the pugs have their own TikTok. Your pugs do? <laughs> yeah. You know that I don't have TikTok. I don't you know what? Don't get it because if you get it, you will really enjoy it. I I watch TikToks TikTok, on Instagram, but I'm like, <laughs> I kind of feel uh, this is where I feel my age. I'm like, is it am I not? Am I too old for TikTok? But I mean, I, I'm not, but I'm like, am I going to not well, do things? I'm in not my life? on TikTok personally, but I have the pugs on there and I, I really enjoy watching everybody else's the creativity. Stuff. And because I'm still teaching like kids from five years and t- up to, you know, whatever age, um, I do like selfishly want to kind of make sure I'm kind of in tune with kind of what's the next thing. That's, that's, wise you is know there like a, I is feel there a handle like, for your pugs tiktok is i don't know is that is that how it works on tiktok eddie and byron is a hashtag that he hashtag eddie and yeah. byron let me look let me look and see um because his tiktok is what matt matt capricorn uh-huh. oh it's not eddie and byron your your oh, handle i is... am matt capricorn maybe that's the reason people don't like me Maybe because they, they see Matt it, Capricorn. They see that you're a Capricorn and they're like, no thanks. <laughs> Jesus was a Capricorn. Well, we see how it ended up for him. Oh, was he? Oh, woof, yeah. Bad ending. Um, so so have you always liked pugs? What was the pug draw? This is very funny. Um, do you know do you remember Hank Fitzgerald? Oh yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. So Hank had a pug, or his father had a pug or something. We we went to visit I think it was his father's place uh, one weekend and he had a pug named Baxter. And every time Baxter came into the room, I'd say, ladies and gentlemen, Meredith Baxter. And he'd come trying to be like, <laughs> and, you know, we, we might've not been in our right minds. I don't know with what, but um, we always thought it was like really funny. So I've always joked about wanting to get a pug and naming it Meredith Baxter. Um, my boyfriend, Sean, like really thought this was hilarious. And we kind of always joked about Meredith being here. And, but then when we actually found a breeder and saw him, we were like, it's not Meredith Baxter. It's, and we had a whole slew of other names and it turned out he wasn't Meredith, but he's Kanji. Um, and you can follow him on Instagram at, at pug underscore Kanji, K-A-N-J-I. Um, he's almost at a thousand followers. So. Of course. Um, if, if we can get some SULM, you know, pushing him up to that 1K, he'd appreciate it. Um, Matt's, Matt's trying to wait, find him right now. Wait, on Instagram? Yeah. Wait, h- how do you spell that? Um, pug underscore. P-U-G. P-U-G underscore K-A-N-J-I. Now, kanji means? Kanji is a boy's name in Japanese, and it's also the characters in Japanese, like the complicated uh, characters. Is that's Kanji? Um, oh my, oh my gosh, he's so adorable! <laughs> and we, you guys, we... you have to. If anyone is dealing with sad days, 
you need to follow this and you'll have a happy day. Oh my Look God. Look at that. He's, he's I guess he's this just is you, hilarious. Wait, I'm currently looking outside of your apartment window. Yeah, that's the Hudson. God. I can see the Hudson. Yeah, I'm I'm in Hudson Yards and I I lucked out uh when it was kind of no man's land and construction zone and got a really good deal in one of the new high rises um and got a rent stabilized situation. So I'm I'm staying put here. We always joke we, we gotta stay in this little tiny great one bedroom, but we we're gonna buy an upstate house one day. <laughs> One day. Where, so when did you meet uh, the hubby? Sean actually uh, was Kathy Zuber's uh, assistant um, on Gigi. And I met him when we were working on Gigi. Now, at the time, I had a different boyfriend. And there was no romance at all between Sean and I then. Um, but we came into each other's lives at a later time um, when he was working on Hamilton and my aunts came up to see Hamilton and he was at a bar and approached me and the rest is history. Nice. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, um, and you guys got married recently? No, we are not married, but we, um, we do live together. We moved in together over the pandemic. Oh my God, so I feel that's... so bad. I saw a photo that looked like maybe you were at somebody else's wedding. I apologize. Do you, do you know Do you know that I officiated Megan Lowry's wedding and when we were on the plane, I was like, whatever I said made it seem like we were getting married and I didn't mean that. And everyone thought that Sean and I got married. And it was like, I told you that's what it sounded like because I was convinced that everyone would understand what I meant. Um, I blame but, it on that. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, blame it on that. Blame it on me. <laughs> Um, we're just now like not even listening to you, just looking at pictures of Kanji. It's terrible. <laughs> I mean, if, there's Kanji's butt. <laughs> I think everyone should have a pug. Um, we were, Sean and I were talking about yesterday. I was like, he's like not a dog. He's, uh, he, cause you guys know pugs are so, um, they have such a big personality and they let you know when they do or don't want to do something or like something or don't like something like kanji for instance is very obedient we took him to puppy school but he will uh if you say like your kanji touch we always do touch for him to like boop your hand with his nose if he doesn't want to he'll look at you and go and then he'll walk over and do it anyways but he, he wants you to know how he feels about it before he does it and it's just hilarious i i laugh so much and i love him so much i've never had a dog before and i I don't remember i don't remember what it's like before him now the pugs the pugs are the best i i remember when our first pug passed away that i never like i literally thought i needed mental help because i i've never experienced such an abyss i believe it of um grief it was unreal yeah, yeah. I, I mean pugs pugs are so like i i hate to like sound elitist or whatever but pugs are are very different you know i worked in the pet industry for many years i managed a dog daycare center on capitol hill i was a dog walker i i love dogs but did you ever uh maybe work with a senator's dog or anything like that presidential oh, yeah. dog oh, oh yeah oh, oh yeah we handled all the senator's dogs um, and some of them matched the personalities of the person. Um, that's for sure. Trent Locke's think- dogs were assholes. 
What do you think um, Marjorie Taylor Greene's dog's like? Ugh. Oh God, I don't even want to know. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, the I when I was first working at that that daycare center, it was an outdoor yard full of like forty some dogs, you know, and they were all acting a fool, being crazy. The labs were all hanging out in the pool, you know. Aww. The the German shepherds were all barking at the street, and there was a little enclave of pugs in the corner all together silent in the shade looking at every other dog like they were judging them and i was yeah. like what what are those what are those dogs i want what, that and what do you call a, a group of pugs a grumble a grumble yeah i love that <laughs> absolutely um and i i was obsessed with what pugs. do you call a group of old gays a grumble, <laughs> a grumble. yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's applicable to many groups of <laughs> Of, um, but uh, the, the the pugs were the <laughs> pugs were just always my favorite. Um, their temperament, their personality. Of course, Buddha was uh, an exceptional pug. These guys are Buddha just was an asshole. Buddha yeah. was an asshole. Buddha yeah. was an asshole. Yeah. Now that we have these dogs, these all dogs will sing to us. These they Aww. sing every time we get home. Oh. But here's a funny thing that kind of just not that this is well, yeah it is the pug cast at this point. It is. Um, so the 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 boys have pads up on the top floor and bottom floor still that they use like if they have to go potty or whatever uh-huh. and so one of the pads is downstairs where my office is where I work from home now and I was downstairs on the phone and Byron came downstairs and I knew he had to potty because he does whenever he has to potty he does these sneezes that are like <laughs> like he's trying to work it up you know and he'll <laughs> He'll like go in circles and then he walked, he was doing that. And I was like, Oh, I'm thinking he's going to use the potty. That's okay. I'll just stay in here and be quiet. Cause he likes his privacy. And then he came into the, my office, looked at me and sneezed like, and then left. And I was like, Oh, you want me to leave the floor? You want oh. me to go upstairs? Oh, he's and so private. And he waited for me to go, but he had to come in, look at me and go like and sneeze. And that meant get out of the basement. Yeah, and I was like, sure. OK, that sounds right. I, I yeah. mean, Conchie's not used to that kind of privacy. Like he definitely will like just stop and poop in front of a, everyone in a very crowded street um, and just make direct eye contact with you the whole time. <laughs> oh, direct eye contact pooping is so awkward. Which then he always wants to be in the bathroom when I'm pooping and I, I wonder if he thinks he's supposed to, because he's like, well, pff, Poppy watches me poop. I guess I have to watch him poop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Poppy, Sean's daddy. Oh God. That's so cute. Or maybe he's like, knows that you do like, you know, the business stuff. And he's like auditioning for you and saying, you know, we'll poop on cue. <laughs> well, I mean, He'll be, he definitely will be the star of Men in Black, the musical, if and when that ever happens. Yeah. Putting that into the, into the ethos. It's in the works, I'm sure. Yeah, um, it's got to be. Everything else is. Well, Adam, we are mindful of your time and the one six coming out at eight o'clock. Oh, yes. Yes. So, so um, I want to wrap with just a few thoughts. What, over the past couple of years, uh, we always ask for recommendations on things like this. Shows that you have streamed, books that you have read, things of pop culture that you just have adored that you want to share with other people of pop culture things that i have seen oh geez i don't know i i i feel put on the spot i can't think of anything but i dress the world this weekend 
<laughs> yeah, see Jurassic World this weekend. But because you said culture, I just like literally finished listening to this week's Lost Culturistas uh, with Bo and Yang um, right before we started talking on my way home from work. Um, and they, they're talking about Fire Island, the movie, which we watched last night. Um, mm-hmm. And if for those who have been to Fire Island, I think it's a really good representation of Fire Island. Um, and so that's literally the last thing that I've done with in pop culture, literally last night and today. Um, and I loved it. And I think people should watch it. And I loved it too. Was and, it Fire Island before the gays took over? <clears throat> I think it was just Swampland before the gays took over, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot going there, although we've put a down payment down a long time ago to have two weeks there this summer. Um, so it is, it is a magical place. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the most current thing um, that I can talk about. I don't know how profound that is for everyone, but that's, what, <laughs> that's what's on my mind today. I think this whole hour has been profound. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Tell it to my heart. Tell, all right, and get off of here and look up Tignataro Taylor Dane. You're gonna T- love it. Tignataro Taylor Dane. All right, I will. Adam, we love you. Thank you for spending time with us. It's Don't so good stranger. to talk to you. Yeah. Listen, Wicked's coming to the Kennedy Center, so I think we should uh, have some face-to-face time. Absolutely. If you're you're around, let us know. Yeah, we've Absolutely. never even seen Wicked. Never. Really? Okay. No. We'll change, we'll change that. All right, my friends. Right. Uh, love you have guys. Have a lovely evening, and we will hopefully talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us, Adam. That was a really fantastic discussion, really interesting stuff uh, that I didn't know goes into production on that kind of level. You are Um, doing a lot. You are doing a lot. We are proud of you. Um, And it was so great to just hear your voice and catch up with you. Um, And your sweet, sweet pug. My goodness. Uh, Just so cute. So adorable. Um, We uh, love you and we hope to uh, catch up with you soon in person. Yeah. Uh, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Have a wonderful just summer. En- enjoy this puppyhood with Kanji. Yeah. I mean, such a magical time. If you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an ER. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us a lot. Find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok under Connor and Smith again with an ER. Um, please add to the Discord discussion. You find it in the description of this podcast. Also, you can add late 90s music to the Spotify playlist, also included in the description of this podcast. We've got another one hopefully coming to you tomorrow. And I, uh, yeah, if I'm not dead uh, tomorrow night, I can do some kind of very tired introduction, which will be so exciting for everyone listening. But at any rate, we hope you have a great time, whether you come out to the Blues Festival or not. Have a great Father's Day weekend, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.